Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Sarah S. Utoff, and welcome to Trundlebed Tales Radio. Today, our topic is going to be cemetery basics. Uh, well, we're going to look first a little bit about cemetery history and etiquette and some of the things to, to do in there so you know what to do when you go to a cemetery. And then we're going to talk specifically about some of the basic Ingalls Wilder graves that you may want to visit while on a Laura trip. Now, uh, there's a ton of those, so we're certainly not going to try and be inclusive today, but uh, if you haven't done the cemeteries yet, this is sort of the place to start. But before we get that far, let's go ahead and do a little housekeeping. Well, first off, if there's anybody out there today who wants to call in with a question or a comment, you can call either at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242 or 5253. Or toll-free 1-877-633-9389. That's one eight. Seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. And if you don't want to talk or ask a question, you can always uh, also use those numbers if you just are more out and about when the show is on live if you want to listen to it. Now, if you miss an episode, you can always catch it up from the direct links on the radio show page, either on my blog or my website. Or you can download it from iTunes and take it with you. It's available under Trendlebed Tales on the podcast section, or there's a direct link on that same informational page. Now, this is a little different time than what I normally do, uh, the programs, but we're going to be experimenting still a little bit with times as we try and get things figured out when it's easiest for people to come in. And we actually have someone in the, the chat room, so... If you want to ask a question but you don't want to talk on the air, the chat room is the best place to do that. So upcoming episodes, we've got one coming on uh, Tuesday that is our Travel Times episode for the month. And uh, it's going to be on December 13th. And uh, we're going to be talking about Amtrak with Shelley Schultz. So if you've ever wanted to take a trip on the rails, uh, this will be your chance to find out all about it. And then the Laura program to end up the year will be on Sunday, December 18th at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Central Time, 3 p.m. Mountain Time, and 2 p.m. Pacific Time. 
And that'll be a review of Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom in 2011 and will mark the one-year anniversary of this podcast. So thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, let's get down to the heart of the matter. Today we are talking about cemeteries. And cemeteries are a subject I think I probably know uh, a bit more about than most people because I live right next door to two of them that were the township cemeteries for this area. So I was always used to being in cemeteries all the time, but I know there are some people who um, try to avoid funerals or don't were never taken to funerals as a child. I had a lot of great-great aunts and uncles, and I was the oldest uh, cousin on both sides, so I went to so many funerals when I was little that I actually could have told you the contents of the toy box the funeral home had, and I had my own name for them. So it was just a part of life with me. So I know a little bit more about it than some people, and I'm often surprised how people feel uncomfortable in cemeteries. And so I wanted to start this off by giving you just a little bit of a history about cemeteries in general and sort of what you can expect, because if you know what to expect, you, you won't be concerned. So... Uh, first off, cemeteries in the Midwest tend to be a little bit haphazard. There was no requirement that they be on a certain a segment or, sec- or section of land. And so they often ended up starting in kind of odd places. Quite often they're by a church, but they don't have to be. Other times they started out as family cemeteries. Uh, when somebody died and they figured out they had to start one. So a lot of times there wasn't a lot of thought into where they were located. You often see cemeteries in small towns. There can be a lot of cemeteries around even a small town, but quite often there are at least two. And um, that has to do with uh, religious, political aspects of the 19th century more than anything. But basically you tend to have one cemetery that's Protestant and one that's Catholic. Sometimes, like in Iowa City, uh, the biggest cemetery, though certainly not the only one, is Oakland Cemetery, and we have quite a few people buried there. Right next door is St. Joseph's, and that's the Catholic cemetery. And uh, actually, we've got people in there, too. So they're right next door to each other. Other times, they'll be close, but maybe a field apart, The two right by my house are the Catholic Cemetery for St. Mary's Church and then the one for uh, the township, which is the Protestant one, at least as far as we can tell. Actually, the records on that particular cemetery aren't good. Uh, The other thing that you hear a lot about for cemeteries is if it's a perpetual care versus non-perpetual care cemetery. And what that means is that with perpetual care, Uh, Since most cemeteries are owned privately, either by an organization such as the church, or they can even be owned by a business. There's a big cemetery business up in Cedar Rapids called uh, Cedar Memorial that... um, they if it they have to take part of the money that you spend on buying the plot and then later I think part of the burial expenses too and put it in a sort of trust fund. 
then that money is supposed to provide enough income that they will always be able to hire somebody, for instance, if a tombstone gets destroyed. In a perpetual uh, care cemetery, the cemetery will see to its replacement, whether there's anybody related to you seeing to the stone or not. In a non-perpetual care cemetery, if something happens to the stone, it's up to the family or any or friends or anybody who wants to can replace the stone. If nobody does, if nobody steps up, then it just lays there. Now, it also um, matters as far as care of graves, though uh, as the Oakland Cemetery I mentioned earlier uh, has a very clear sign that says it's a non-perpetual care cemetery, and yet they take care of it as if it was a perpetual care cemetery. I think mostly because that one's owned by the city. But that means that they have very strict rules on it. In a lot of non-perpetual care cemeteries, you can do pretty much what you want on the graves. But in a perpetual care cemetery, they're mowing them on a regular basis. So they will have very strict requirements about what you can put on a grave and um, where you can plant flowers. When you can put decorations on the grave, there's normally very prescribed rules throughout the year of when you can put actual de uh, decorations there. And if they, um, you don't follow those rules, then they come along and pick up all the stuff, they mow off the plants, they you know, get rid of the stuff. You just don't have a choice. You have to abide by the rules. And that's the part of perpetual care that really... Um, matters if you're coming to it as sort of a tourist and my mom uh, always laughed that when we took a vacation we always ended up in some cemetery looking for a dead wilder i told her that wasn't always fair sometimes they were a quinter or an ingles but she held firm in her belief that that's pretty much what we all ended up doing and uh, it matters because with those requirements in place about what you can put on a grave and when you can put on a grave, you may want to bear that in mind if you take something with you. Now, a couple times I did actually take flowers with me to put on Laura's graves or the graves into cement, um, but I really don't do that anymore because I found out that they clean them off about once a week. Uh, in both the cement and in Mansfield. So if anybody has brought anything, it's just picked up and thrown out. And I think that's uh, sort of a waste of resources. If that's what's going to happen to it, I'm sure Laura wouldn't be pleased to have people messing around like that. So um, I, I personally don't take them anything anymore, but that's just something for you to know. So as a visitor... One of the things you probably are concerned about is parking. Cemeteries, for the most part, do not have parking lots. Uh, you can usually, they try and leave clearance on both sides of any paved road. So if you're going to a certain uh, grave, then what you normally do is drive along as far as you can on the roadway, and when you get as close as you can, you pull off to the side. Don't leave your car parked in the middle of the roadway because other people may be coming and you don't want to be blocking it. They, uh, also, sometimes, you know, you get to the point where there's lots of people trying to get there, like with the wilder graves if you go at the wrong time of the year. So be considerate of others. 
and just kind of be aware of that. But normally it's okay to pull your car kind of halfway off the roadway, and it's normally set up so you can do that. I also wanted to mention uh, that one of the things that was very popular a while back was to take rubbings of the stones. And I do see people doing this with the Ingalls Wilder graves. And it really isn't something you should be doing. It was There was a fad where everybody was doing these rubbings for a while, but then the people whose job it is to actually restore tombstones and take care of tombstones, when they found out people were doing this, they were just really appalled. Uh, and if it's something that he liked your great-grandfather and he's nobody... and wilder graves or people are doing it rub on it it's real you know one person you know isn't probably going to make much of a difference you get dozens of people every week rubbing on it and it's wearing away that surface and it just is not a good idea also most stones and cemeteries are not constructed so that there's any kind of central support. Even if they're in multiple pieces, they quite often count on weight alone to hold them in place. And if you get a couple people shoving on one side of a stone constantly, eventually you're going to move the stone. And we don't want any broken stones out there. So please... Really, please, don't do rubbings if you go to a grave for somebody famous. If you do, however, go, feel free to take pictures. You can take all the pictures you want in pretty much every cemetery that I have ever been to, and everybody's happy to have you do it. If you take a nice, clear picture, most of the time, you're going to be able to get just as much detail as you would from a rubbing. You want to try, maybe if it's a little harder to read, maybe take it from a couple different angles. And you may also want to consider bringing a light with you. Now, I've mentioned before in Spring Valley that uh, Royal's Grave is right under this branch of a tree that casts a shadow there all the time. So it's the one that I have done the most experimenting with. Um, and I should mention that uh, John Bass very graciously emailed me after I mentioned it the last time and said that he'd gotten some good pictures. And yes, you can. There are ways to get good, decent pictures, but it isn't as good as if it was in full sunshine, which is what I, I meant I was trying to get and that you could never get was full sunshine. Uh, you may want to bring something with you if you're planning to take pictures of tombstones. It's a good idea to have something that's a reflective surface and it's big and light. I have a thing of car, uh, they go in my car window and they're reflective on one side. I've used them to bounce light onto the stones. I've also used them to create a shadow because sometimes tombstones are polished to such a degree that if you try and take a picture of them, the flash will just... Uh, totally make it un unlegible. So I've used it both ways, to reflect light and to block light as I'm trying to take pictures of stones. So I find those very useful. Other people recommend those aluminum um, kind of cookie sheets that they sell that are disposable. They're just, you know, that uh, kind of flimsy stuff, so they're lightweight, and if something happens to them too bad, you go buy another one that's not very much. But they're very reflective, 
So you can use that to put light onto the stone. You can also use it to block light if you have to. And it really just uh, is a very helpful thing to take if you know you're planning to go. Another thing you'll see on a lot of the stones if you go are uh, notes and rocks. Now, it's a Jewish tradition that if you're going to visit a stone, you leave a rock there. But there's way more than I think are uh, reasonable to be from someone following that tradition. So I really think people are just using them mostly to hold down these little notes. And it isn't like that hurts anything. I mean, if you want to, go ahead. It's kind of making Laura a little bit like it was a shrine, and I don't really think she'd appreciate that either. But don't be surprised if you see these little notes when you go to to visit the stones because you will see them out there every time you go. Now, I wanted to also talk about some of the specific cemeteries that you will be visiting. And the first one, and I think probably the most important one for people to to visit, is the one in Mansfield, Missouri, where Laura ended her life. And it's where she's buried, Almanza is buried, and Rose is buried. And that they fill up the family plot there. It's, It's those three And then the other stone that's fairly easy to find that you might be interested in is Frank Cooley is also in that cemetery. And he was the father of the family that went down with them uh, in On the Way Home. The cemetery itself is behind Laura Ingalls Wilder Elementary School. There's fairly good signage for the school. I would follow that and then just keep going on the road. Uh, if you have your back to the main street through town, the school will be on your left, and you're just going to go past it and keep going, and then the cemetery is kind of at the end of the road. There are multiple gates, which is fairly common in, that, in a cemetery. And then uh, there's one of them. It says Wilder Graves and a nice sign now, which points you to the Wilder Graves. The three are just a little ways off of the roadway. Again, you can pull over and park. One thing that's kind of unusual about the Mansfield Cemetery is uh, this is something that cemeteries can decide for themselves. They, their stones there aren't headstones. They're footstones, which means the tombstone is at the foot of the grave, and then the grave is behind the stone. If you have a true headstone, the stone is at the head of the grave, and when you're standing there looking at the stone, reading it, you're standing on the person's grave. Uh, So these are footstones. And as a result, where Laura is actually buried, because I don't really think it's clear unless you understand this, there is a little decorative chain fence that goes around the graves of Laura uh, and Almanzo and Rose, and they've got a, a couple little hedge things there, and they're clearly marked off. What that little fenced-in area is are where the actual graves are. Most people kind of assume they're headstones because most cemeteries are, and uh, kind of get confused about where they're buried, but that's where they're buried. Uh, Another important thing to know about that is almost smack dab up against Laura's tombstone is a 
plate for military service. And most people don't understand what that is. I get a lot of questions about that. Well, if you get off uh, the walkway and head towards the Wilder Stones following the signs, and you're standing there looking at them, you're actually standing at somebody else's grave, which I think was a major piece of mismanagement. That did not used to be the case. There was nobody buried there for a really long time. And why and why nobody said, let's just swap them out to a different plot somewhere in the cemetery, I don't know. Um, because now what they have are all these people tromping over the graves of these other people, not even really realizing that's what they're doing. And I really kind of wonder if that's why the plate was there. But the, it is a military service plate for the people that are buried in front of Laura. Their stones are behind you. You'd have to walk around and, and read them if you wanted to see it while you're standing there looking at the graves. And one of the things that you can do if you were in military service is you can get this plaque that they put usually in addition to your headstone on the grave. A lot of times you'll see them where there's a headstone on the grave and then they'll have this plaque as a footstone. Since the headstone's a footstone, or what we normally think of the headstone's a footstone, they put it at the head. So it may not have been, they may just not even have thought of it. Though personally I'm kind of wondering if they weren't just sort of saying, well, this is our grave, we're going to make sure people know it's our grave. But anyway, that's what the stone is there. That's not somebody that's buried in between Laura and Rose. That's not somebody that is related to them in any way. It's just the people who own the cemetery plot that you're standing on when you look at the graves. Um, and if you aren't used to going to cemeteries, you pretty much have to walk on people's graves. There's just not any real way around it. Uh, you should try and be respectful when you do, if at all possible. Um, if you know if it's a headstone or a footstone, you could maybe kind of try and hug the, gray, the stone on that side. But it, there really isn't any requirement of it. Just kind of remember that it is a solemn place while you're walking, and I don't think anybody has a real issue with that. Uh, the other stone that you're going to find in Mansfield, uh, that well, that's fairly easy to find, that's from on the way home. Frank Cooley is in the older section of the cemetery. So if you go, uh, really the easiest way to find it is to, if you leave your car parked by the Wilder Graves, you follow the roadway up till it hits the, the town street. Follow the town street along, and you are looking for a stone, a tall white stone, one of the kind that normally has carving on all four sides. This is just has carving on one. Um, that is about two rows in, and it's uh, roughly sort of halfway along that older section. So not the section the Wilders are in, but the one closer to the school. It's, uh, it, you can kind of spot it. I just found it by random chance walking around. I didn't have any directions except he was buried there somewhere and happened to f and uh, found it that way. So I'm sure you can stumble across it too. It's a very nice stone and it's a nice extra one to visit while you're already there in the cemetery. The next cemetery I wanted to talk about a little bit is DeSmet. Their cemetery is outside of town. Your best bet for finding it is to pick up one of the tour maps that you can get at the Memorial Society or pretty much anywhere. However, it's the road past the country club. This country club signage is pretty good. You follow that, and it will eventually take you out 
to the cemetery, particularly if you have the if you have the map. Now, buried in the family plot in Dismet is Ma, Pa, Carrie, Mary, and uh, the unnamed baby boy that was Laura and Almanza's son. Behind them in the next row is Grace and Nate Dow. And it's pretty easy from the markings they have with the signs and little walkways to find those two graves, even though they're a little bit separated. Pa's tombstone was actually put up, we're pretty sure about the time of his death, although it was moved. It was, again, originally a headstone, but they've moved it into the footstone position. And when they put in uh, the other markers, the ones for Pa, Ma, I mean for uh, Ma, uh, Carrie, Mary, and the baby boy, they all put those in as footstones as well. So when you go out there now, you what you see is a little cement walkway and the stones are right along it and their graves are located behind. Now, Carrie had married a man named David Swainty. However, he had chosen to be buried next to his first wife and she refused to be buried next to him or next to the two of them. So she came back to be buried next to her parents and smet. Mary, of course, never married, so she also was in the family plot. And I'm going to talk, I'm sure, in another episode a little bit more uh, about Laura and Almanza's baby, but there's also a marker for it right there. Now, around the cemetery is a host of people from the books. And I'm hoping uh, Nancy Cleveland is, she talked about me uh, to me about possibly doing a cemetery walk this next summer. I really hope that she does and that as many of you as possible get the chance to take it because she is excellent at this. Um, even if she doesn't, though, they do have a more limited cemetery walk that was part of the, well, festivities that they were having this summer in Desmet. I'm hoping that they look at doing that again on a regular basis because I think there are enough people there that it helps to have somebody there showing you where to go. And it also, I think you should, while you're there, at the top of the hill is a windmill, and that's been there for ages. It's on all of the, even the oldest maps of the cemetery that are on the back of the on the map of where things are around town that they give out. But very recently, a local group put in a reflection garden right across the roadway from the from the windmill. And it didn't look like much from the road, but when I was with Nancy there this summer, she encouraged me to get out and walk around and really it is a very nice reflection garden. So I would urge you to take a little extra time, get out of your car at the top of the hill or leave it parked down there and walk up and walk around the reflection garden. I think that you will enjoy it. And (laughs) see, I knew I was going to run out of time. I've got just over two minutes left. So I want to briefly just mention Spring Valley, uh, which I talked about being the one where Royal is buried. Now, I am going to urge you again to find this cemetery because I have tried to find it without looking at my map several times, and it isn't the easiest place to find. 
uh, Spring Valley tends to be a little bit off center in its roads. And then when you get to the county roads, they don't always line up like you'd expect them to. So I really strongly recommend that you get a copy of their map and use that to find the cemetery. But basically, you need to find the one road that goes out of town that comes in and hooks with the county roads heading south. If you find that road, you should never have to get on gravel to get to the cemetery. And I mention this because as you're coming out of town the right way, the cemetery that you see first is further, a little further out and is on gravel, and that's the Catholic cemetery. The one you want will be on the paved road. So uh, don't get led astray. If you have a choice between turning and one's paved and one's gravel, make sure you stick with the paved one because that's the one that's going to get you to the right place. Um, And well before the other cemeteries got good signage, Spring Valley was absolutely the best. They have wonderful signage. You will not have any trouble finding the graves. Royal is there. His two infant daughters are there. And a number of slightly more distant relatives are in that same row. And I always stop, again, hoping against hope that this time the shadow won't be over the stone so I urge you to stop at Spring Valley when you're there and uh, there are cemeteries at almost all the home sites that have people related so I'm sure this will be a good topic for another webcast sometime so uh, thank you for joining me today and I will see you again on the 18th to round up Laura fandom for the year bye Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.